Hi everybody, this is Bob Brewer. <laughs> Welcome to the best old time radio podcast for Tuesday. This is May the 25th, 2021. Almost through with May, folks. Another week, another week. Next, uh, One week from today will be June the 1st. Can you believe that, Chester? June already, but in the meantime, let's live in the now. It's May 25th. Glad to have you along on Tuesdays, as you well know by now, we play an old-time radio drama. By the way, I, I haven't marked the official day, but we've been doing the daily podcast now for one year. That's, that's pretty good, right? For a year. And we have not missed a show during that time. So kudos to you, Chester, and, uh, and to me, too. Well, for today's old-time radio drama, we want you to relax. We want this to immerse you in the story. So what I need you to do is get over there in that big easy chair, get your feet up, relax, let the cares of the day drift away, get yourself a little refreshment, and just unwind. Because coming up in just a minute is this week's old-time radio drama, and it's a good one. start things off this week with an episode of Night Beat. You know, it was in the years right after World War II that filmmaking began to change. It was inspired uh, to a large degree by the expressionistic type of filmmaking that the Germans started right toward the end of the, the silent film era. And then in the 40s, right after sound came along, American mysteries and detective films started feeling dark and shadowy. The protagonists often had anxiety. They were pessimistic. They were suspicious. Critics started calling that film noir, literally black cinema. 
And it was a style that quickly made its way into radio, too, with such hard-bitten detectives as Philip Marlowe and Sam Spade, shows like uh, Broadway is My Beat. But one of the top proponents of this style was a show about a newspaper man entitled Night Beat. It was the story of hard-nosed Chicago newspaper man Randy Stone and his quest to reveal the human element behind the news. And of course, he worked for a great Chicago newspaper, the uh, Chicago Star. And his beat was the night beat. So he would go out late at night, roam the streets, and come up with great stories. In this episode, we find Randy on vacation. This is a mystery, but many Nightbeat episodes were more just human stories. So we are going to categorize Nightbeat as a drama. Tonight, Randy meets a woman very early on in the show, and she leads an all-female cast, with the exception of Frank Lovejoy. Let me just leave it at that and let you enjoy this show. This one is entitled Old Home Week, and it was first broadcast on September the 4th, in I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start in many different ways. This one began with a girl fighting for her life in the rapids of a rushing stream and ended in the quiet depths of a poison cup. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. A guy in my business has to take his vacation whenever he can get it. And the best I could get was a string of short weekends at a little resort town called Paradise Lake. It's only a few hours' drive from Chicago with lots of woods and streams. It's a lovely spot located just outside my income. It was after one of these weekend, if you'll pardon the expression, vacations... I was heading for Chicago in time to get back on the job that night. I checked out of my rented cabin and had just crossed the bridge over Rocky Creek when suddenly I saw her. I jammed on the brakes. The girl lay on the edge of the road unconscious, my front wheels almost touching her. Hey, you, what's the matter? I got out of the car and ran over to her. The late afternoon sun gleamed on her wet, disheveled hair and she was soaking wet. I could see tracks where she'd climbed up from the rapids below to the edge of the road. I chafed her wrists and slapped her hands a little. Hey, wake up. Can you hear me? What happened? Come on, baby. Snap out of it. That's the girl. You look like you've been half-drowned, beautiful. Well, she's still out. Well, better get you into my chariot before you catch pneumonia or some other car finishes you off. Up we go. Hmm. Funny how silk clings when it's wet. 
I went back to my cabin. I got her inside and put her on the sofa. Then I started the fire in the fireplace and got the oil stove going in the kitchen. Eagle Scout Stone was doing his good deed for the day. I'd be late for the office tonight, but she looked as though it might be worth it. I came out of the kitchen and saw that she was sitting up, her big gray eyes wide and a little dazed. Who are you? Where am I? The name is Randy Stone. Drink this. What? Go on, go on. St. Bernard would have brandy, but on my salary, you'll have to settle for this. <laughs> Drink it down. How did I get here? We'll exchange questions later. All right, now, down the hatch. <laughs> That's the girl. Oh, I'm soaked. Better pull this blanket around you. There. I'll be warm in a minute. No, you're shivering. You better wrap it a little tighter. You... You can let go. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, uh... I'll put some more wood in the fire. What's your name? Pat Torrance. What did you do? Slip and fall into the creek? Fall? Now, don't tell me you were in swimming, or is that a new style in French bathing suits? Oh. No, I didn't fall. All right, easy now, easy now. Now, what happened? I was pushed. You were what? She pushed me. She tried to kill me. The girl got up, one hand at her throat, her eyes wide with frightened memory. The blanket fell away from her shoulders, revealing a lovely outline all the way down. I remember. I was standing on that high bank overlooking the rapids. Yeah? Well, who did it? Who was she? I... I'd better go... Thanks for... Whoa, whoa, no, wait a minute, whoa, now, take it easy. Get warm for us, you get sick. I really must go. Francine's probably worrying about what's happened to me. I've got to get back. Francine? Francine Moore. We have a cabin on the lake. Oh, I must have been blind to have missed you all the time I've been here. We just got in today. I see. Well, whoever pushed you in certainly didn't lose any time, did she? I'd rather not talk about it. Maybe I'd better drive over to your cabin and get your girlfriend to bring over some dry clothes and then round up a cop on the way back. Oh, no. No, please, not the police. What's everybody got against the police? Why not? Not right now, anyway. I I want to talk to Uncle Ben first, her father. Uncle Ben? Well, he's really not my uncle. I mean, well, he raised me when I was a kid. I owe him an awful lot. Uh, ben who? Mason. He runs the hotel here, Paradise Inn. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean Ben Mason's daughter, Margaret? Why would she want to kill you? Because she hates me. Oh, I shouldn't have listened to Francine. She said I might get a chance to rest, to straighten things out in my own mind. Then when we get here, I find Marge already on the scene. Yeah, but Pat, what makes you think it was Marge who pushed Oh, it was her, all right. She's broken up my marriage, stolen my husband, and now... Now she's tried to kill me. Well, beautiful, all I can say is that any man who'd pass you up for Marge Mason is the kind of a guy who'd marry Hetty Lamar for her money. Just what did happen? Well, I'd been walking along the creek. Uh-huh. Francine was busy getting the cabin fixed up, and I was going to the store. When I got to the little footbridge, I suddenly saw Marge standing there. I had no idea she'd be here at Paradise. Why, Pat, darling... Dad said you were here, but it didn't seem possible. You and Francine together. (laughs) Ed's old girlfriend sharing cabin with you. Francine Moore was never, as you put it, my husband's old girlfriend, and you know it. Really, dear? Hasn't Francine ever mentioned it? Well, no matter. There comes a period in every man's life. 
but she was just a comma in his. Why, you unscrupulous. How naive can you get? Ed's played the field all his life, and he always will. You never really understood him. I thought I understood you. I looked on you as if you were my own sister. I trusted you. That's what Grace used to say about you. Grace? Yes, dear, Grace Rainey, another member of Ed's harem. She's here at Paradise Lake, too, you know. Grace Rainey? What do you mean? Oh, Why Dad. she... Gave her a job as a hostess at the inn. The same big blonde cow. But you know Ed. He always did suffer from high blonde pressure. Ed was never interested in Grace. Wasn't he? Don't play innocent with me, darling. It's really jolly. You, Grace, Francine, and I, together once again in the old hometown. Old home week. All we need is Ed on the scene. And I shouldn't be surprised if he weren't on his way. What? You mean he's coming here? Come now, pet. How corny can you get? Cut the act. You must have known he was planning to spend a few days here. Why else did you come? To get away from him. From everything that reminded me of him. Oh, please. Why don't you do the decent thing? Call it quits. Give him his divorce. Why? So you can profit by what you've done to me? I've tried to be patient with you. I've gone a long ways to try to reason Keep right on going. Don't ever let me see you again. All right, Pat. If that's the way you want it. But if you insist on clinging to him like a spider just to spite me, you've only yourself to blame if anything happens. What do you mean? Is that a threat? Take it any way you wish. Any way you wish. And Mars just walked away and left you there? Yes. Then how could she have pushed you? Well, I, I don't know. She must have come back. There was no one else around. Well, she had the motive, I suppose, but oh, still... it's like a bad dream. To think Marge could do a thing like that. We used to be so close. We were even brought up together when we were kids. All right, now, all right. Everything will be all right. Use my shoulder if you want. You want a handkerchief? Thanks. What did you say your name was? Randy Stone. Oh, you've been very sweet, Randy. I must be a sight to behold. Well, on the contrary, you're a sight to be held. Oh, I'll bet. Oh, it's a lousy pun, I Anyway, this fire's nice and pleasant. Yeah, yeah. Say, maybe I'd better fix up something to keep you from catching cold. Oh, I'll be all right. No, no, no. I got some stuff left in the kitchen and in this bottle. I'll fix you a hot toddy. Oh, don't bother, Randy. It's no bother at all. After you drink this, I'll drive over to your cabin and get your friend Francine. All right. Uh, where is your cabin? Just past the inn across the road. Uh-huh. I'll have this ready in just a few seconds. Twelve. So we had some hot toddy together. I hadn't had all the ingredients, maybe, but at least the essentials were in it, and it wasn't too bad. I got her to tell me something about herself. Her struggles, her dreams, her telephone number. Suddenly I realized how late it was getting. Late? Oh, golly, it is at that. Francine will be frantic. Yeah, not to mention my boss when I get back to Chicago tonight. Your boss? Yeah, the night editor. You mean you're a reporter? Any objections? Yes, you'll put this in the paper. Oh, why not? Oh, you mustn't. It'll hurt Uncle Ben. If he finds out what's happened between Marge and me, he'd be terribly upset. Yeah, well, now, look, dollface, you just watch your step and make sure you don't get any free publicity yourself in the obituary column. That'd really upset dear old Uncle Ben. Now, you sit right here until I get back. If Marge or whoever it was who pushed you in catches you alone, there's no telling what might happen. (laughs) 
I guess I just never could understand the feminine psychology. Bunch of dames trying to bump each other off over a guy who was never any good to begin with. <laughs> Give me a nice, clean, masculine murder any time. At least it makes some sense. I drove back toward the inn, following the road along the course of the stream. And then suddenly ahead of me, I saw a couple of flares burning in a car parked across the road with its headlights focusing on the rushing stream below. I pulled up. A big white sheriff's star was painted on the car's side. Some men were working along the edge of the stream, and a small crowd was watching. I got out, walked down the bank toward the edge of the creek. There were two girls standing at the edge of the crowd. One was a tall blonde who was crying softly, and the other was Marge Mason. Hiya, Marge. Randy Stone. What's going on? They're dragging the creek. Dragging the what for? They, they're trying to recover the body. <laughs> the body? Whose body? A friend of ours. A girl named Pat Torrance. I see. Uh, what happened? Grace says she jumped in. Yes. Yes, I saw her. Oh, you did? When was this? Just a short time ago. I was on my way back to the inn from the store when I heard her cry out. For a moment, I could see her face through the trees as she fell in. <laughs> Randy, this is Grace Rainey. She acts. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I noticed. Randy Stone, a reporter from Chicago, Gracie. Oh? A reporter? Couldn't you get help? Wasn't there anyone else around? No. It was so dark. I didn't see anyone. And she couldn't swim. I knew she couldn't swim. She couldn't swim. Grace can't either. Well, I can't act either. Uh, what makes you think she jumped? This wasn't the first time she tried to commit suicide. That's right. How do you know that, Marge? Why, her husband told me, Ed. Just a week ago, he tried to persuade her to go to a sanitarium and take treatment. When did he tell you that? Why, just this afternoon. This afternoon? Well, I was talking to him on the phone when I ran in and told her what had happened. It was awful. You mean talking to him long distance to Chicago? Why, no, Mr. Stone. Ed Torrance got here this morning. He's right here in Paradise Lake. Well, the police started dredging the creek at Paradise Lake for the body of Pat Torrance after her friend Grace Rainey said she'd seen a jump in. We stood around watching them search for the body. Grace and another of Pat's one-time gal friends, Marge Mason... So many girls involved in this mix-up, I was beginning to feel like a lone male at a ladies' seminary tea. I wondered if I should tell the gals that at this very moment, Pat was sitting in my cabin alive and kicking. Marge kept talking as we watched them drag the stream. Ed said she even thought drivers were trying to run her down in the streets. Well, why isn't Pat's husband here? Ed knows what's happened, doesn't he? Yes, Marge told him on the phone. I... I don't know why he isn't. Uh, uh, say, uh, which one of those officers is the sheriff? You'll probably find the sheriff in their car up there, Mr. Stone, with the white star on the door, see? Oh, yes, yes. Thank you, Grace. Promise or no promise, I figured it was time to bring the law in on Pat's story that Marge or someone had tried to murder her. There was a solitary figure sitting in the sheriff's car, a heavy-set old dame built like a battleship and a voice to match. Yeah, what is it? I'm looking for the sheriff. Have you seen... I'm the sheriff. You? Pick up your chin, mister. What do you want? Well, I, I beg your pardon. Yeah, I... yeah, I know. Well, I'm not the only woman sheriff in the world, buster. There have been others. 
You're a stranger here, I take it. Well, yes, yes. My name is Stone from the Chicago Star. And... Chicago Star, eh? Yeah. By thunder, every time you turn up a wet rock, you find a Chicago Star reporter underneath. Mm, I don't understand oh, what you, you mean. Oh, you don't, eh? Now, look, Bob. I don't know how you got here so quick. Or why you think a suicide in this county is important enough for the high and mighty Chicago Star to send a reporter out. Well, it's past But I don't I... care, see? And what's more, as far as I'm concerned, you can skedaddle right back to Chicago. Oh, uh, yes, sir. What's that? I'm sorry, I'm just confused. Well, you get no cooperation from my office, do you understand? Well, frankly, no. I haven't just... forgotten those stories your paper printed about me during my campaign for office. Well... So I was a joke, eh? Huh? I didn't have a chance, did I? Well, now, look, I'm sorry, but I personally didn't have a thing oh, to go do... go back with... and tell those morons who run your paper that Dolly Maynard was elected, in case they haven't found out yet. Well, maybe it's I caught up with their machine politician, and as long as I'm in office... None of their hack reporters will get a single story out of me. Yeah, and well, I did. What kind of a hen house had I gotten into here? Dames. <laughs> well, I left her there sputtering, her fuse still burning. If the sheriff of Paradise Lake indicated the local level of sanity, maybe it was just as well I kept my mouth shut as Pat had asked me to. So I drove on past Paradise Inn to Pat's cabin across the road. The light inside shone through the drawn blinds. Pat's roommate, Francine, was apparently still there. I got out, walked across the road, and up the short gravel path to the cabin door. I could hear voices as I approached. Oh, how awful. How utterly awful. I know, Francine. It's hard for me to believe myself. It was Pat. I thought you said you'd stay put at my cabin. Oh, forgive me, Randy. I just couldn't. I got so nervous there all by myself. Come in, won't you? Oh, Francine, this is the man who rescued me, Randy Stone. Oh? This is Francine Moore, my very best friend. How many best friends can a girl have? Oh, I'm so grateful for what you've done, Mr. Stone. Pat's my dearest little old friend, and if anything had happened to her... Well, everybody else thinks something has happened to her. What? What do you mean? Well, when you hiked up the road, didn't you notice the crowd by the creek? The creek? No. Well, they're dragging it for your body. My... Oh, no. Oh, yes. How could you miss seeing it? I didn't come over the road. I cut through the meadow. I didn't want anyone to see me all wet. Oh. Well, what are they... I mean, what makes them think that Pat is in the... the police. No, no, not me, baby. They're already looking for you. When I came by, everybody thinks you jumped in. Jumped in? Yeah. Pat, you... You didn't. Of course not. I told you how it happened. I was pushed. Well, Mr. Stone, did anyone see her? How would they know? Well, Grace Rainey says she saw her. Oh, Grace. You mean she says she actually saw me jump in? She seems to think she did. Pat, Pat, darling, couldn't you have just slipped and thought no, perhaps... No, I'll tell you, I was pushed. I didn't just imagine it, Francine. Why do you look at me that way? Someone did push me deliberately. Oh, now, darling, why don't you go to bed now? And in the morning, I'm sure we'll all have a more sensible outlook on everything. Listen, I'll fix you a cup of hot chocolate. Go on, dear, go to bed. Oh, Francine, you're a love. Good night, Randy, you've been wonderful. Thanks so much for everything. Yeah, send me a medal. Good night, baby. <sighs> Poor dear Pat. What does that mean? What? The way you said that. Come into the kitchen. Oh, the poor darling has been under an awfully severe nervous strain the past month or two. Hmm. Did you know that Ed's here, too? No. Yeah, the Don Juan husband of hers, Marge, was talking to him. Here? At Paradise Lake? Yeah. Well, 
Why would he come here? Well, he probably heard it was open season on Danes. Oh, no. Now, seriously. Well, Pat seems to think it might be on account of Marge. That's strange. Hmm. Oh, uh, would you like some hot chocolate? No, thank you. No, thank you. I, I better be on my way now that Pat's in good hands. Nice to meet you, Francine. Well, see you again sometime, I hope. Well, you never can tell. Good night. Goodbye, Randy, and thanks again. <laughs> I went back to my car, I got in, I lit a cigarette. I sat there for a while, wondering where Ed Torrance had been when Pat was pushed into the creek. There are a lot of things I began to wonder about, Ed. What kind of vitamins did a guy have to eat to get into his league? I was about to turn on my lights and start back to the end to find him when I saw the dim figure of a girl stealing around from the back of the cabin. It was Pat. I opened the car door quietly. The dim figure halted suddenly, tense and looking my way. I couldn't see her face, but there was something about it that was different. No, it wasn't, Pat. It was someone else. I jumped out, and as I did, the girl fled toward the trees, a filmy scarf streaming behind her. Wait! I ran across the road as she disappeared. I started running down the road after her, but she crossed it and disappeared into a grove bordering the ingrown. I thought I saw her go up the veranda of Paradise Inn, and I bounded after her. There was no one around except a couple of elderly dowagers in rocking chairs. They stopped rocking when they saw me, and I asked them, uh, did a girl just come in? A girl? Which girl, young man? Uh, a girl, any girl. Not very particular, are you? Oh, never mind. I... And just then, over the side railing, hurrying up the garage driveway, I saw her. I turned and ran down the steps. It was just a glimpse. The lights from the inn glinting on her reddish brown hair as she hurried past, heading for the guest cottages and back. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Yes? What? Marge, it was you. Why, Randy? Whom did you think it was? Didn't you just come from behind Pat's cabin? Whatever are you talking about? What would I be doing there? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I thought I saw you. Well, uh, never mind. What's the matter? You seen Ed tonight? Ed? Yeah. Why, no. Why do you ask? Well, I just wondered why he came here today. Well, he... He must have found out Pat had come here, I suppose. He phoned you, you said. Well, yes. Why are you asking all these questions? <laughs> I'm a reporter, remember, dear? Um, Grace is fixing some coffee at the cottage we're sharing here and back. Why not join us before you go? I wouldn't miss it. This way. So you're bunking with Grace. Yes, the inn's so crowded, I had to move in with her in one of the guest cottages. The one right over there, with the lights on. Oh, yes, I see. Looks like she forgot to draw the blinds. Yes, and the window's wide open. I hope she isn't under... Well, it's a warm night. Looks like she's curled up in that easy chair for the evening. She and that telephone. That woman, she simply monotonizes the telephone. Right around this way, Randy. Mm -hmm. But, uh, why do you have to leave without me telling Wait, what's the matter? Quiet. Marge put her fingers on my lips and we stood there by the cottage door motionless Grace Rainey's voice came through the open window clearly and with every word Margaret Mason grew more tense and strained and her eyes more stormy this Ed again this Superman yes I know dear Marjorie was a bit stuffy. I can imagine how surprised you were when you called the cottage and she answered the phone why of all of them steady 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 Yes, I know, darling. Well, Francine's here, too, but what of that? All that's water in the creek, you might say. There's nothing to stop us from getting married. Married? 
Look. Now, they haven't found the body. But Pat's dead. How do I know? Well, you see, darling, I saw a push dead. Yes, that's right. Pushed. She did it. Well, let's face it, darling. We both wanted her dead. So, now our wish is granted. We're free to marry. Free, is she? So, you're free, are you? Must. Not for long, you won't be, you two-timing, double-crossing she Judith. Easy, easy, easy. You'll be in jail within 24 hours for murder. Yes, again, dearie. You see, I know who killed Pat Torrance. Oh, my goodness. What's all the commotion? Francine. Francine Moore, Little Miss Dixie, stood in the doorway that opened on the little back porch. When I saw her standing there, a long silk scarf trailing over one shoulder, I knew at once it had been she who'd come from around back of the cabin, hoping not to be seen. What are you... What are you doing here, Francine? Oh, I thought I'd drop in to straighten out a few little things for both of you. You and Marge. Francine, what do you mean? If you thought Ed had any intention of marrying either of you, I'm terribly sorry. Because you're wrong. What? Ed and I are being married as soon as his divorce is final. Oh, you are, are you? Yes, Grace, we are. Well, congratulations. How many of you is he married? I'd say those congrats if I were you, Randy. Because she isn't marrying anybody. Little Miss Moore is going to the electric chair for murder. Grace. Now, wait a minute. I saw Francine push Pat in the creek. Oh, how very amusing. So I murdered Pat. Well, do you know where she is? At our cabin, asleep in her own bed. How long do you think that story will stand up? Ask Randy. Well, I left Pat at their cabin, all right, just a few minutes ago. So? She's got you to lie for her, has she? Well, I shouldn't have left Pat alone, Randy. She's not well. No telling what she's liable to do, but... But I felt I owed it to these ladies to set their minds at rest, if they have any minds left. You're not getting away with it, Francine. I'm going to the police right now. Come back here, Grace! Francine, drop that gun. Drop it. Do I have to break your arm? So you came here to find out how much Grace really knew? Now you know the game's up. Killing won't do you any good. You're finished. You're through. All right, drop it. The gun exploded as it hit the floor. Francine's soulful brown eyes widened in an instant of horror, and then suddenly she slumped. And I know that little Francine had caught one of her own bullets. Marge and I bent over her. Randy. Randy, is she... Get on the phone quick. Get a doctor. Yes, yes. Francine. Francine, do you hear me? Randy. Go. Mary, Go to Marge. the cabin. I'm in the cottage. Pat. Bring a over here. Pat, Pat, what about Pat, Francine? Is she all right? Pat mustn't... mustn't drink the hot chocolate. Poison. Poison? I didn't bother with a car, but covered the hundred-plus yards between the inn and Pat's cabin in an unofficial world speed record. I yanked open the cabin door, rushed through the room, and into Pat's bedroom. Randy, get out! Oh, I'm sorry, honey. I came for some hot chocolate. Did you drink any? Hot chocolate? Have you gone crazy? Of course not. Can't you see? I've just come out of the tub. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean... Uh, I'll wait outside. Uh, get your clothes on, beautiful. You're having more company. What? Who? Well, the sheriff. She'll want some of that hot chocolate, too, so don't touch it until she gets here. You understand? Well, it's 4 a.m. in Chicago again, and tonight's story is full of women as a sultan's harem. 
as the French say, <laughs> Cherche les veins. And on this trip, I found plenty of them, with a moral to go with each one. For Marge, hell hath no fury like a woman tripped up trying to skip with another woman's husband. And for Gracie, gentlemen prefer blondes, on the theory, no doubt, that where there's light, there must be heat. For little Francine, well, she tried to take life cheerfully, the life, that is, of anyone who stood in her way. And as for Pat, well, you don't need any moral for her. A girl with a map like she has can usually find somebody to read it. <laughs> yep. Copy, boy. Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's story was written by Irvin Ashkenazi with music by Frank Worth. In tonight's cast were Barbara Fuller, Rose Hobart, Shirley Mitchell, Eileen Prince, and Martha Wentworth. Frank Lovejoy will next be seen in Milton Sperling's production, Three Secrets, released by Warner Brothers. Listen next week at this time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Nightbeat came to you from Hollywood. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Sunday marks the return of Theater Guild on the air, with Rosalind Russell and Charles Lawton as first guests in Edward, My Son. A week from this Wednesday, that's September 13th, Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman resume their popular roles in The Halls of Ivy. And please remember, this weekend, 400 Americans have a holiday date with death. Stay off the list. Be careful. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. That was Night Beat. The name of that uh, show was Old Home Week, or the name of that episode, I should say. It was first broadcast on NBC on September 4th, back in 1950. Frank Lovejoy was uh, really good as Randy Stone. He did a lot of radio work, and of course, a lot of work in films, too. The, the problem Nightbeat had, it was on for two years, but it just bounced all around the NBC schedule. Usually, it, it was did not have a sponsor. Now, for a while, it had, I believe it was, uh, it was Wheaties for, uh, for some time, but most of the time, it did not have a sponsor, so the network sustained it. But it just bounced all over the schedule. It never was, it seemed like it was never on at the same time on the same day of the week. And fans would complain about it. From week to week, they didn't know if they would be able to find it. And oftentimes they didn't. As a result, radio enthusiasts today have probably heard more episodes of Nightbeat than listeners did back when the show was being produced almost 70 years ago. When that evening sun goes down You're gonna find me Hanging around Nightlife Ain't no good life 
but it's my life. things up for uh, Tuesday, May the 25th, 2021. Hope you enjoyed our selection, and we will be back tomorrow with an old-time radio. uh, What's tomorrow? Wednesday, we'll have a mystery. And then the following day, we'll have a Western. So come back and join us, won't you? We're going to go out tonight with a little Tommy Edwards. Nothing significant about this tune that ties into the show. It wasn't from the same year. Uh think Nightbeat was from uh, 1950 now it wasn't from the same year but I don't know I just like this song Tommy Edwards all in the game this is Bob Bro I'm so glad you stopped by and I am so glad you met me see you tomorrow everybody But it's all in the game All in the wonderful game That we know as love You have worked Your future's looking thin, but these things your hearts can rock. Sweet bouquet.